It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I'm just going to cut to the chase and say it's always a learning experience for me. I, I get her daily emails. I follow closely for news, not just related to the Middle East, but how it ties, how the ties bind around the world and and the effects. Foreigndesknews.com is the website. And for all these years, Lisa Daftari has been one of my favorite reporters, someone who digs in. Now, I don't just say that because she's here. And as I'm often fond of saying, just because I am biased does not mean that I am wrong. But Lisa Daftari, editor-in-chief at the Foreign Desk, Still with one of the best mugs I've ever seen. I love that mug. Uh, joins me now. Hi, Lisa. Hi, David. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Very well. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. Well, it's true. Like I said, just because I'm biased does not mean I'm wrong, and I know I'm right in this. You know, it, preparing for this, and again, with your daily emails, which, by the way, folks, you should sign up for and get, uh, I decided to do a little prep work. I think you and I know about that. And just in looking at Iran in the news today uh, and news items within the last, let's say, 12 to 24 hours or even as recent as two hours ago reported by UPI Iran ramps up uranium production after censure by you know nuclear watchdog uh, reacts to the IAEA slap on the wrist uh, 40 nationals arrested foreign nationals arrested over anti-regime protests uh, Iran airstrikes target Kurdish groups in Iraq uh, and, and I literally I could keep going down and down the list also and uh, not to be ignored uh, Iran uh, football players declining to sing the national anthem at the World Cup uh, bring you know this and you know so much more together for us yeah thank you and thank you for for covering the story i think that's actually number one the iranian people both inside and outside iran are very much looking for the media to cover their their story and they believe that it's been silenced or hasn't been covered in the proper way they're entering the third month of protests and what they're calling not no longer protests but a revolution and uh, this is the first time in over 43 years i know we have seen protests you know, every few years or so, David, you and I have spoken about them often as well. The um, most notorious one was in 2009. The Green Revolution is also called the Twitter Revolution. A lot of these kids came out onto the streets at that time as well. But what makes this time different? Um, th- this is the first time you have complete unity inside and outside the country because their message is so clear and simple. And it's that they want freedom and they want this regime gone. So in previous years, you would have some people who want reforms or they want a certain candidate or they would call it the egg protest or the bizarre protest or the teacher's protest. This is everyone out on the streets. This is everyone, um, you know, chanting for freedom. And, of course, the catalyst of all this was a 22-year-old girl named Massa Amini. I'm sure you've seen her name everywhere. She's the main hashtag for this movement. She was taken in by the so-called morality police because uh, some of her hair was showing in front of her hijab and she wasn't wearing the Islamic headscarf properly and she was beaten so badly that she died while in custody. And um, although, you know, she was the catalyst, it became a women's movement, a lot of women cutting their hair both inside Iran and outside to show solidarity, Um, a lot of women taking off their hijabs, which is 
forbidden in Iran, but so bravely marching down the streets with their hijabs off. And uh, this is it's gaining steam and momentum and on both sides becoming more violent, becoming um, definitely more brave on the side of the protesters and becoming more brutal on the side of the dictators. You know, with everything going on now, you've got in the Middle East, obviously, the World Cup, the world's eyes in many ways from a sports perspective, but also from a political perspective, uh, focused on that area of the world. And while in Qatar, Iran plays, you know, the, the Iran hegemonic uh, aspirations, if you will, nuclear or otherwise, uh, plays a role in the Middle East dynamic. Stabilization and stability, which came from the Abraham Accords, has been, it's still there in many ways in the Middle East, but call it both underreported and underattended by this current administration. What type of effect uh, does that have now? And does it get better or worse? Does it stay the same in your view? You know, it's it's actually very beneficial to have such a different or, or progressed um, environment in the Middle East because it's almost as if the young people of the Middle East have taken the reins and saying, are you with us or, are, you know, are you going to move into modernity with us or are you going to stay in the past? And, you know, a lot of people are like, you know, are the Iranians you know, influenced by the Arab Spring of 2010, or are they influenced by the Abraham Accords? Or, no, the, the Iranians came out in 2009, before the Arab Spring, and way ahead of the Abraham Accords, to say that this regime does not match our aspirations. They're not letting us live freely. They're not giving us the basic, basic freedoms and liberties that, that we deserve as human beings, let alone people who are educated and, and want to move forward. Um, into modernity. So the Iranian, the, 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 the seeds of this movement were planned a very long time ago. Now, because the environment of the Middle East is moving in that direction, uh, they have a lot of support, in, 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 even if it's sentimental support, to feel as though the young people of the Middle East are moving forward. They're no longer hung up on, you know, hating Israel because of the Palestinians. David, I'll tell you something very interesting. We put these videos up on the foreign desk where Iranian protesters take down the street sign that says Palestine Boulevard. Um, they, they also are showing uh, burning a kafia in the middle of a bonfire. We have both of these videos, many other videos, and chants that say, I don't care about Gaza, I don't care about Lebanon, I only will die for Iran, showing that they know that their government is with these terror organizations and they don't, they don't want these alliances. They don't believe in these alliances. They want to... Um, display their nationalistic pride, and that is only for Iran, uh, and to move away from these associations with terror groups and countries that are radical and uh, backwards in, in their eyes. They want to move forward with the modern Arab states that signed on to the Abraham Accords. They want to move forward with Israel, with the United States, with countries that will support and parallel what these young people are, are fighting for. I mean, when you look at a regime that's willing to go into Sharif University, Sharif University is like their Harvard or MIT. This is one of the first weeks of protests. They went in there and started a massacre of students. They closed down the dorms so that no one could escape. They closed the gates of the campus so no one could escape. And they just started shooting randomly at these students. I mean, think about a government that is willing to kill off its best and brightest 
that government is not looking for a bright future. That's, that government's not looking for, you know, these individuals to go on and come up with research and, you know, make, you know, inventions and, and do wonderful things for their country. So, um, you know, I point to a lot of these different things to connect the dots on what this government stands for and what the people are really fighting for. And I think to your, to your point, it very much parallels the growth or coming of age in the region as well. My guest, uh, Lisa Daftari, editor-in-chief at the Foreign Desk. Now, on the Foreign Desk podcast, uh, which for everyone, you can go to her website and get all the information at foreigndesknews.com. You have one that really caught my eye. Uh, you and uh, Pastor Dumasani, a black pastor, uh, talking about why blacks and Jews are natural allies exploited by pop culture and politics. Uh, that's something you don't often see being discussed. Mm-hmm. He's a good friend of mine, David. I, I, I really suggest I've, I've told Fox and I've told Newsmax. I'll tell everyone to have him on their show because everyone needs to hear this pastor. He has dedicated his life to um, really the relationship between blacks and, and Israel and, and therefore Jews. And, you know, takes young black kids in all different areas, a diverse group, um, to Israel to really fortify that connection. He takes them first to Africa, to, to their roots, and then to Israel to kind of make it full circle um, to bring them back around. And he talks about how, you know, every time there's been any exploitation, it's always been between the blacks and the Jews because they lived so closely, because their experiences have been so parallel, and because they are, they are such natural allies. Um, and because they have business together, where it be in, in modern day, it's in sports or in, um, you know, entertainment or wherever, you know, these, uh, you know, the, the more recent controversies have been really pointing to these industries. Um, he says that's exactly where they have been working closely together. So that's where the natural, um, you know, ally, allies are and therefore easier to create these risks. But he is wonderful. He speaks so beautifully about the history um, of these communities. He talks about Reverend King and his teachings and how they are so, you know, they could be so perfectly applied to what's going on today in the news. And he talks about this nonsense by these, um, you know, recent um, few handful. I don't even mention their names and give them more publicity, but he talks about how they should be silenced and how the, the real relationship has to be um, really amplified. He also talks about BLM and how from the beginning, not just 2020, but, but way before that, they had their roots. They started out um, and they, they sought to exploit what they saw in society. And now as they have been proven to be a failure, a lot of young whites, blacks, Hispanics are still drinking that Kool-Aid because of the way that they have exploited society. But I really recommend everyone listen to the podcast and listen to him, follow him on social media. Um, it was a wonderful conversation I had with him yesterday. We just put the podcast up. Well, it's great. Well done, as always, by you and you know the various topics you you cover, Lisa. I'll end with this note, and this is you know call it a good positive note on this conversation. Uh, while we're told Israel hates Palestinians, only murders Palestinians. If you listen to the left, that is not on this show or by you. The three thousandth Palestinian child has had a hard operation in Israel through a, through a charity. 
uh, save a child's heart, uh, and that saved his life, a five-year-old boy. So 3,000th, this, this defies the narrative uh, by the numbers and by the actions. Lisa, great work. I recommend it to everyone just about when we talk about these issues that uh, they need to get your uh, Lisa's top 10. They need to get your daily email and your information at uh, foreigndesknews.com. Thank you. Thank you for having me, David. Thank you. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.